retro supply really like the very seed of it to me in a lot of ways was let's make products that are the secrets. So almost like magic tricks, like let's make products that answer the questions that don't get answered in the dribble comments. Um, and so I started doing that by figuring a lot of these things out myself. And then I started recruiting people that otherwise might be too busy to reveal their secrets um, and asking them to help. Today's episode is brought to you by Wix.com. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours with Wix. And we'll be talking more about Wix later on in this episode. Welcome to Overtime, Dustin Lee. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, I think I want to jump right in to talk about Retro Supply Co., which is uh, your company that you started. Uh, it's I, it's used by a lot of Dribble members, I know, and and, uh, and designers out there. I'd love to hear the story, the origin story of this, because I think I know it's really interesting and in, and in how you got started and went from like you know being in debt to running this business that's supporting you and the family and everything. So yeah, tell us tell well I guess tell us about what it is, and then we can get into the history a little bit. Yeah, so Retro Supply is a site that provides brushes, fonts, textures, tutorials, webinars that are very specifically catered to people that are interested in bringing analog elements to their work. And uh, that's at retrosupply.co. And it basically started um, six years ago. I was just in a, in a bad place. I was struggling as a designer uh, in many ways. I was working as a contractor for a company called Paid to Exist, which people always joke, well, isn't Paid to Exist like communism? Like, I don't know, maybe it is. Anyways, the site was called Paid to Exist, and it was essentially a site that was to help people that wanted to start their own business, build a business around their passions. So whether or not you think building a business around your passion is a good idea, um, I learned a ton as I was working there about how to run an online business. So everything from how to attract an audience, how to get email addresses, how to provide value to people, and then ultimately how to get people to trust you so you can make a sale. And I learned a lot from that and I was designing for them and I was getting by, but um, before that I'd been a banker. So I, I had gotten into design uh, later in life, and I had acquired uh, somewhere in the range of $30,000 of credit card debt. And, and I was living down in California and in the Bay Area, and we, me and Jonathan, who ran Paid to Exist, made a startup, which meant that I quit working for Paid to Exist, and I was making $0, and I was trying to get this startup going. Won't get into the startup. It doesn't matter. It, it failed. Um, so it was making $0, and then, of course... Um, perfect timing. I found out that we had a, our first daughter on the way. So I was immediately super excited that I was going to have um, a baby. And then in about a minute, I was terrified because I realized I'm in debt. I don't have money coming in. What am I going to do? I'm doing 40 hours a week for this startup that I'm making that's making me no money. So I had to find out a way to make money with the small amount of time I had. So I decided to start getting up early. So I started waking up around 4.30 in the morning and 
going down to the coffee shop right around the corner from my house in Los Altos. And the, just the very first thing that came to mind was to offer products on creative market. It, I, I don't, don't think I even really thought about it. I just thought, well, this is something that's kind of low hanging fruit that I can, you know, ship a product pretty quickly. And I started releasing things and I used the interesting thing was I'm very interested in entrepreneurship. Uh, I consider myself a, a little more an entrepreneur than a designer. So from the beginning, as I was making the products, I was making them trying to um, improve upon the model that other people on creative market were using to sell products. And within about, I think the first month made around $800, uh, second month, maybe uh, these, I'm pulling these numbers out of the top of my head. If you look on my site, you can see more accurate numbers, but I think it was like maybe 1100 the next month. And then the third month, I kind of nailed it um, in terms of finally finding the right balance. And that month I made around, I think, $15,000. And that's when I realized I was onto something. And that's where really the, the, the entrepreneurial training I had gotten working for paid to exist came in because I started to, build an email list. And I started to listen to customers to build products. And um, fast forward to today, that's a, about six years later, um, the business is on schedule to make, uh, I think, $600,000 wow. this year. So, you know, this went from, I mean, starting with a logo template to a full out business, um, you know, doing, like I said, everything from webinars to fonts to brushes to... wow. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for being so candid about numbers. I mean, not not everyone does that, right? Um, yeah, I think that what's probably behind that is that uh, I I'm a big fan of of copywriting, and in copywriting, one of the things that they teach you is that you need to be really specific with people. So saying that oh my my business did well or I was struggling is a very different thing than saying I was thirty thousand dollars in debt or I made seventeen thousand dollars this month. Um, so it's not to, um, uh, what would it be called? Like to try to emphasize my struggle and it's not to try to brag that it made a lot of money the past year. You know, there's plenty of businesses that make way more than that. Um, by no means is this the most successful business ever. It's just been a good business for me. Um, but I think that when you give people real numbers, I think it kind of, it, um, it puts some reality to it. It may, it wakes them up maybe and makes them realize that what you're saying is, um, like a real story. <laughs> No, I agree. I think it's awesome. I mean, it, I think it's super helpful, especially with, you know, your story of, of how you went from, from dead and being a banker to where you are now. It's just, it's awesome. But I got a lot of questions now <laughs> on what, what you just said, but what was your first product, I guess, is the, is the first thing I want to ask. Well, so my first product, and I, I think this is another interesting thing too. I, I was on um, a podcast a couple years ago called Entrepreneur on Fire. And he had talked about something called the baby effect, which is just the, this, I, the whole idea that when you find out you're having a baby, your entire life changes and you make dramatic um, jumps in the way you do things. So when I made my first product, it was logo templates. And the thing was, do I, do I love logo templates? Do I think logo templates are the most um, you know glamorous thing to sell? No, I don't really think that. But I was so desperate to take care of my family and to take care of um, my daughter by the time she was born that I looked on creative market. I saw what was doing well and I saw where there was an overlap between something that I thought that I could do as good or better or differently than the person, people that were currently succeeding at that. And those were very popular at the mm -hmm. time on creative market. They were selling really well. And I thought that I could um, compete in that area. So 
uh, my very first product was um, some logo packs and they did pretty well. That's not really where I hit my stride, but that's where I got that $800 first month. Um, so yeah, that was my first product. And the reason was purely um, because I felt like that gave me the best odds mm. of success. Wow. And and how did you, like you said you were a banker before, I mean, I guess design, I assume design was always something that you also did on the side or, or, you know, when, when did that come into play? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't really know design was a job. I mean, I always like had a love. I, I was babysat sat a lot by my grandparents as I was growing up and they lived in this house, um, in California that was a mid-century, uh, ranch house and they in- had inherited it from my great aunt. And one of her stipulations in the inheritance was that they don't change the house. So you would walk into this house and it, it looked like it was straight out of the fifties. I mean, it was the same furniture, it, the garage was filled with old boxes and merchandise. So I grew up around that and I came to found, find that like very nostalgic, even though I'm a child of the eighties, um, this stuff from the fifties mm. and sixties was like very nostalgic for me. Is that where a lot of this, uh, retro supply stuff came from in terms of the, the, the visual feel of it? Oh, 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 for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I started the business, it was at my grandma's kitchen table. So, I mean, I was just surrounded by this stuff and I literally would just walk around and pick something up and be like, Oh, how could I make a pack that would recreate the effect of this particular, this tide box or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was surrounding me. And, um, just like quickly to, to finish up how I kind of came across it. Um, I, I didn't know what design was. I like, didn't know that existed really. Um, and then when I realized that people made a living designing packaging and stuff, I was really excited. I, I went to an art school and studied music and visual arts and, uh, moving image arts and dance. You had to, you had to do everything. So I did dance, um, sculpture, everything. And, and then I, I got accepted to go to Berkeley college of music to study music. And, um, and then I decided not to go because I just realized there were so many broke musicians. And I thought, well, maybe I can figure out the music part, but I need to go to school to understand mm. the business part. Um, so I thought, well, I'll go to school for business and then I'll get a job um, in business. And what better business, what better place to work to learn about business than a bank, which was completely dumb. <laughs> you don't learn about business working at a bank. All you do is handle people's money that do know about business. Um so anyways, um, that, that was just painful. I spent a lot of years doing that. And then when I was about to get married, I, I just said, I, I have to get back into art somehow. And, um, you know, art and commerce kind of meet at design. Wow. So that's how I got in that. That's cool. I, I almost applied to Berkeley myself, <laughs> uh, for uh, drums at the time I was, uh, in, I loved music, but I didn't really, I didn't see how I could make a living doing music. And unless you're one of the lucky people that, that can. So uh, that's very similar, but it's, you know, and then, and then the, the web came along and kind of, uh, made me realize that design was a job. So very, very similar to what you're, what you're, uh, what you're talking about here. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I would imagine from interviewing people, you might've noticed this pattern too. It seems like a lot of designers were, were former musicians or musicians as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. maybe because you know, it, it's, cre- obviously it's creative and it's, uh, you know, but but very difficult to make a living doing um yeah and not not to say that design was like a second choice for me but in a way like well maybe i guess it was at the time you know back then but 
This week's episode is brought to you by Wix.com. With Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank slate and design your website in any layout you want. Work with advanced features like retina-ready image galleries, custom font sets, and sophisticated design effects. Each feature is intuitive to use, so you're in control from design to live. With Wix, you'll have real creative freedom to tell your story online, exactly the way you've envisioned it. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours. Go to Wix.com slash dribble to get started today. That's W-I-X dot com slash dribble. Wix, what will you create? So anyway, so you've got Retro Supply Co. is just, it's kind of incredible to browse because there's just this chock full of like uh, just so much stuff and good inspiration and brushes and so many things here that, you know, I know it's a it's a giant resource for a lot of designers on Dribbble and, and elsewhere. But um, tell us a little bit about what it's like to create stuff that people use for other things, you know, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, instead of doing um, client work, for instance, you're you're actually creating the tools that people use for their client work. I've got to I've got to assume that that's really satisfying to like see the projects that people do with your stuff, you know, come to life. Oh, it's it's hugely satisfying. And this is actually where Dribble really ties very, very directly into retro supply. So Dribble was the first place that I ever went online to find design inspiration. And I just fell in love with Dribble. I, I I would probably spend at least an hour a day um the first year, couple years. Um that I was doing design on Dribble. I mean, I loved it. Uh, and consequently, or interestingly, um, a lot of the people that I really loved on Dribble ended up becoming um, collaborators and partners on Retro Supply. Mm. But something that always drove me bananas that happened on Dribble was that someone would post a piece of piece of work, and someone would say in the comments, "There'd be great, you know, great piece of work, amazing, beautiful. I, I love how you did this." And the person would be like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." And then someone would say, how did you get that texture? Or what right. font is that? Right, right. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's radio silence. All of a sudden, the person <laughs> that owns the Dribble account with you know 50,000 people isn't making a response. And mm. um, I, I understand why um, that it's not about them trying to tell you their secrets. They're trying to show what they're working on. But it, I also found it like frustrating. And I also found that it was like this little gap. And, I, and Retro Supply, really, like the very seed of it to me in a lot of ways was let's make products that are the secrets. So almost like magic tricks, like let's make products that answer the questions that don't get answered in the dribble comments. Hmm. Um, and so I started doing that by figuring a lot of these things out myself. And then I started recruiting people that otherwise might be too busy to reveal their secrets um, and asking them to help. So a great example of this is Brad Woodard. Brad Woodard um, has a big following on dribble um, or better known as brave the woods maybe to some people yeah i was a huge fan of his still i'm a huge fan of his literally have his posters yeah. on my wall right now so great so great yeah yeah he's amazing um and so i talked to him and said hey do you want to work on some on a project together and he said sure and we did some brush sets together and what was it was such a great collaboration because you have this amazing illustrator who's done children's books and children's museum illustrations and I mean, so many things. And we would literally sit together on Skype for hours and I would make brushes. I would send them to him. He would tell me they were rubbish. 
I, I would start again and make another one. He would say, I kind of like this one. And then he'd say, change this and that. And I would change it a little bit. And by the end of it, we would have this very curated pack of great brushes. And I knew they were great because Brad was like, I love these. I will use these all the time. <laughs> and then he would make the illustration. So it was like, instead of him making an illustration and then you kind of being like, well, what's he using? How, how did he get that? He can kind of, he can't make you a great illustrator by telling you about the brushes, but he can say, well, I use these brushes and we've included tutorial videos and, and whatnot. So he was, Brad was one of the first people you collaborated with then. Yeah. Um, I think Brad Woodard has become a, a really good friend of mine. Um, so he's, I mean, he's a collaborator. He's a friend. We bounce ideas off each other. Um, another one was, uh, Amy hood from hoods, Put design. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. we, we'd worked together on, um, a font and again, that was a thing where I had seen some of her lettering work and I reached out to her and I said, um, to back up for a second, I think I realized very quickly that I didn't want to be the star of the show with retro supply. I wanted to, like I was saying, and have really great people that you might find on dribble share amazing stuff, um, that they could not do without a financial motive oftentimes. So for instance, with Amy, I said, I love your lettering. Like, would you be willing to make, make, make a font for me if I, if I was to pay you for your time to do it? And she was able to do that. She said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I like these font. I like these, this lettering you've done, but I think that I don't want to get too much in the way because you're, you, you have gr much better taste than me. You're a much better designer than me. And I really just want to bring that to people. I don't want to try to water it down with my own opinions. And of course, like she delivered something absolutely amazing, like as they always do. Yeah. Um, Incredible. So a lot of it is curating really talented people and having them bring things to the market. Wow. And, and this font, I, I think it's, it's uh Palm Canyon drive. Is that, yep. Is that the, yeah, that's beautiful. Cal California. <laughs> yeah. And then she's went on to make, she's, she's now making fonts. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And another cool thing about it too, is, um, you know, a lot of designers, they're, um, they're struggling, not no, struggling is the wrong word. They let's, let, let's put it this way. Maybe they have clients where they would rather not have that client, but they keep that client because they need that client to, um, you know, yeah. um, a cool thing about partnering with people has been that it provides them with, so we partner on these things, you know, um, in, in most cases. And so they're getting, we're, we're, we're having a profit sharing of this. So this creates like a little side income for them. Um, and that's often the gap that lets them focus more on doing some of their passion projects as opposed to that client that maybe is not the best fit for them. Um, and so that's been a case with a lot of people too. And that's been really fulfilling too. You were saying earlier about revealing secrets, which I, which I love. I, oh, I don't love that people don't share their secrets, but it, you're, you're spot on with that. Um, it's almost like people are afraid to reveal their tricks, you know? And um, so do you feel like the people you've partnered with, it gives them an opportunity to, to kind of reveal it as a product, but, you know, it's a little bit more, it's a little less out in the open than someone answering on dribble or wherever, like, here's how I did this. Um, you think it's easier for folks to, to partner with someone like yourself to, to release stuff or. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think a lot of times it's not that people are, um, I don't think it's a lot of times that they're trying to be stingy and not share. I think, you know, most people tend to, I think really want to share what they're doing. It's just that they're, they're busy. You know, most designers are so busy that, 
you know, telling people inventories of the fonts they're using or where I found this texture, things like that. It, it, it's work and they're, they're busy, you know, trying to make money for their families um, and, and for living expenses. And I think when you partner with someone, you give them the financial opportunity to say, Hey, I'm literally like going to like be able to like make money for you. So you can like indulge in this thing that maybe you weren't, you're not normally able to do. So it's typically not that they're super tight with secrets. It's typically that they just need, um, the time made available to them. And that oftentimes means financially they need to be compensated, um, to be able to open that time up to share something with people, which I totally understand. And so I, it's cool to give them that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It- <laughs> It's awesome. And so you're not only just selling the digital goods, but you're also doing, you know, tutorial stuff. It's almost like a, you've created a a community around this. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Something that I'm in the past, um, I guess maybe year I've noticed is we started doing webinars and, you know, as most people probably know with webinars, you have this chat area on the side so everyone can be talking. And we started doing those and um, at first we didn't really plan them out a lot. We would just kind of get on and, and have a, a certain very simple subject we were going to cover and we would just invite people and it'd be free. And, you know, um, a couple hundred people might show up and people would just start talking and yeah, you realize like they're all getting, they're all getting to meet each other in the comments. So they're making new friends. They're following new people on Instagram, um, they're making partnerships with people on in this chat area, uh, and, and we're getting to talk to customers. So yeah, it truly is a community. And um, something else I started recently doing was looking at my best customers and then writing them and saying, "Can I get on a Skype call with you? And can we just talk?" And that's been illuminating because it's one thing to imagine who is on the other end of the computer buying a product. Or um, in other, you know, maybe some listeners' cases, paying for a service. It's a whole different thing when you see them in person and you see the stuff behind them, and you know, in their in their workspace, and you hear their story about their kids or about their other hobbies. Kind of like you were talking about Berkeley, you know, and about drumming. People become very three dimensional, and you get, a, I think, a better understanding for how you can help them. And you also kind of, um, it can help, I think, to gain some. I don't know if empathy or compassion is the right word that my, it just helps you put yourself in their shoes more, yes. which I think makes it better to make easier to make good products for them. Yeah, totally. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm just looking at the, um, you know, you're actually showing how to make a cross hatching pattern brush in illustrator, which is cool because that's actually, those are things you sell as well, but you're actually showing how to, how to make it. But I, I would assume that these tutorials help immensely with sales because you've got how to here here's an example of what something you can make in a style and then here's how to do it and also like the tools that you need to to do it right yeah absolutely and you know the thing is with with retro supply or insert you know your favorite um marketplace or individual that sells brushes or textures or whatever most of these kind of things are not rocket science to make you know making brushes is not rocket science it, you know you get better with time obviously um but it's not so much that these things are hard. Um, one analogy that I use a lot is it's a lot like, you know, the whole story that you hear about the gold rush where um, oftentimes the people that made more money were the people selling the picks and pans and the people that were, were mining for gold. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's not that uh, it's not that making it is hard. It's that people that are doing illustrations and and design. It's if you're in the middle of making an awesome illustration, you don't want to stop. Or a lot of people don't want to stop and scan textures or spend three hours geeking out over making the perfect brush. They would rather go find one that just nails it for them. It's a it's a it's a time saver and a money saver. Um, yes. So absolutely, I kind of want to buy everything now. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'll send well, you an invoice as soon as we're done. <laughs> exactly. So I. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did uh, you did um, praise dribble earlier, so that's uh, you know that's <laughs> I kid I, that was not planned, um, but yeah. So I mean, what, what's also great about this is that you know these are digital tools to create. Well, it's retro supplies. So it's in the name, but you know textures and shapes and and things that are you know from time past. That's it's actually harder to create in in, in Photoshop Illustrator or whatever whatever people are using i feel like that's always going to be like a challenge it's harder to make something look older right in in uh, digital products so it's just so valuable that's why i said i wanted everything <laughs> yeah and it, it is it is harder and at the same time like i feel like we all have like i mean at least in my the things that i follow on dribble uh, i love seeing when things don't look perfect and the better someone is at um creating the illusion that it wasn't all made digitally, the better. And really the best way to do that is if you can, if the source material is analog. So Mm, um, one of my favorite examples is we have a uh, bundle from um, a a really talented um, guy that has a bundle called wood type revival. And we, we started talking and he shared with me, he was like, you know, I started going to these, uh, you know, these woodblock print, you know, shops and stuff like that. And realizing they were literally getting them because obviously this kind of printing is um, slowly going extinct. Right. Um, He said they were literally getting these woodblock letters, putting them into the back of cars and bringing them out camping and lighting them on fire as firewood. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. So he was quite literally, he said, well, gosh, can I, can I buy these for you or just like take them from you? You know, so they're not just being burnt. (laughs) And, and, uh, he literally was saving these things from the fire. So wow. we, and so we, so he got those and, you know, he inked them up and he did all the letters and turned them into fonts and you can see the imperfections in these letters are not fake or added on. Like you might see other places that it really is flaws that are built in that you mm. might be able to get close to replicating, but there's something that's very satisfying about knowing that something's coming from analog material. So like with that, that's analog or when we do our brushes, um, I have like a ridiculous amount of, um, mid century catalogs and things like that, where you can look at commercial art and we'll either sample the lines from the commercial art, or we'll buy the closest pens we can find. And then we'll try to replicate it and then bring that into the computer. So, um, I wouldn't, I'm not saying that everything is pulled directly from analog, but whenever we can, whenever it's feasible, um, it's something analog pulled in to the computer. Yeah, I agree. It totally helps the, it helps the authenticity of it. And, um, and yeah, there, there's, uh, we interviewed, um, Alana Louise for a previous episode and I, I know you had a interview with her. This always blows me away when it looks like they work analog and, 
and they don't and you know they and they're using um purely digital tools to do that well she she had um so she partnered with us i saw her work and contacted her and we did do an interview with her but we had these cross hatching brushes which are absolutely amazing illustrator cross hatching brushes it it's just because cross hatching is something that's so time consuming and hard to do right in mm-hmm. illustrator and this pack really made it much simpler and so we we came to her and she had work that we thought would would really show that off and we said could we you know send you these brushes and obviously pay you and and buy you some recording software to get some good recordings and and would you just use these brushes and make some artwork and again this is where i sometimes it frustrates designers but i'll be like i don't really want to corner you you do what you want to do if you need me to make a decision i will but i love the idea of people like i mean alana louise is so talented I love the idea yeah. that she's able to just do something that maybe she doesn't have the right place to do it and that gives her the freedom to. She did this thing. We ended up calling it cross-country cross-hatchers because she did um, these kind of travel-style illustrations of Arizona. And, I mean, you, you should really, if, if you're listening, you should really go look on the side at these. The The artwork is amazing. She did, like, wildlife and naturescapes and all of it using cross hatchers and it's it's just absolutely amazing so yeah, i'm looking at it um, now it is amazing her, her work is yeah. incredible um you're right it's it's like being able to purchase a magic trick from from another magician you know like <laughs> it, it is and, and not not that i i can buy this and and make exactly what something like alana makes but i mean you it really does take some of the guesswork out of like how a certain style can be achieved. It's awesome. Well, the cool part too is like with like Alana, um, some people are very generous with sharing and like Alana, um, I said, you know, if I, if I buy you some good screen recording software, would you be willing to share people, share with people how you, um, you know, did this particular part of an illustration and, and she did. So like, for instance, when you buy the pack, you get access to, her showing part of her process and she's working on a laptop. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. you see this stuff, I guess you picture like, you know, four monitors like <laughs> right. up, like on walls and, and, and like, you just realize you don't need that many tools. She's using very simple tools and just, um, just like, you know, to go back to a music analogy, like you'll probably relate to you, when you, when a great guitar player picks up a, a bad guitar and imagine a, a great drummer picks up a bad um, drum set, they make it sound great. Yeah. And, um, true. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, she's working on a very humble laptop and that's all she needs. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if some of it is that, you know, the, the old constraints are good for, for artists and designers, where the less, the less you have to work with, uh, sometimes the better. But yeah, that is, that is surprising. I mean, geez, I want to cover uh, something else that you're, you're involved in too. And that's the passive income for designers. And if you could tell us a little bit about that, and I, I think this is fantastic because you're you're really sharing a ton of insight in terms of how you've how you've built Retro Supply Co. as a you know in helping people, other people create passive income businesses. And um, this is a course you can take, and there's a podcast, and there's a whole bunch of things here. But uh, yeah, I wonder if you could tell us about the creation of this and, and how it's going. Yeah, so um, so passive income for designers started because um, I originally retro supplies its own website now, but it started on Creative Market, 
And um, early on, I once I started to get some success on Creative Market, Creative Market contacted me and said, can you write an article about, you know, what you're doing that you think is making your product sell so well? And I, I didn't want to because, you know, at this point, you got to remember, I, I didn't have much money. The money was just starting to come in. And it was a scary position to be in because I, I wanted to please Creative Market because they were, you know, essentially pulling me out of debt. Um I was making money. I was able to enjoy being with my little girl who was born at this point. So I didn't want to share the secrets, to be honest with you. I really wanted to just me to know them and to make all the money. <laughs> right. Um, Which is and, normal, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, but then I realized, and uh, I'm just being completely honest here, um, something very selfish entered my mind. And that was that if I wasn't to share the secrets, someone else would, and they would take all the credit. <laughs> so it's also true. I, yeah. I decided, well, I'm going to share the secrets because um, if I don't, they'll just find someone else who will, and if they don't find someone else who will, someone else just will. Um, and it's not like this; any of this is rocket science. It, it, any anyone can do this. Um, so I started sharing them on there, and it got a really good response. And then once I shared it and saw that. Um, it taught me a valuable lesson, which was that sharing your secrets with other people does not subtract from you. Hmm. So sharing how I'm doing things um, is not taking away from me financially um, with very, very rare exception of people that, that will try to, you know, do a me too type business. So mm -hmm. for instance, I did a passive income for designers paid course a couple years ago and I did a, guarantee i said if you don't make your money back in six months you know just let me just show me that you actually ship the product did the stuff we talked about i'll give you your money back because it's very hard to not ship the product or to ship the product and not make the money if you're following the course and um so many people made products so many people made businesses um wow. my friend jason karn had ended up partnering with me with something with lettering library um he was on the verge of he literally had contacted me and said, I'm thinking about going back to construction and pushing a wheelbarrow. Wow. This is Jason Carr. I mean, this is a guy who's like done lettering for Disney. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, um, we ended up partnering up and, um, I'm certainly not responsible for, um, him not doing that. Um, I think that maybe it opened, it showed him a little possibility, but Jason is a, such a giving and talented person. I think maybe if anything, I just like helped him to hold out a little longer. Um, but there's other people that someone made something for their church where they sell design resources for their church or for, for all churches. Um, and they make a great side income from that. Now um, someone else started a type foundry that makes a nice tidy little amount of money month in a month out for years. Um, and guess what? My business has grown every year. It hasn't taken away from me to do that. So mm. like if you go to passiveincomefordesigners.com, there's a five-day email thing where every day I send a email and I just go over like a very broad thing of how um, how I got started and what the main components were. I did something for LinkedIn Learning, which was absolutely amazing, called Side Hustles for Designers. And on that one, I talk about all the different ways you could make money um, other than trading your time for money. So not just selling digital downloads like I am, but also how could you make money from shirts? How could you make money from live streaming? How could you make money from selling a course? How could you make money from um, uh, writing a guide, a, sim a simple short guide to something? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Sorry. I went on a bit of rant with that. No, no. I love it. it I, I think it's wonderful. I love the thought that sharing your process and quote unquote secrets doesn't affect your business. And it actually, in, in your case, and in many cases, it, 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 uh, it helps it. Right. Um, cause it looks like you're, it looks like you're giving away your, your course on building a passive income. Yeah. Well, like on the, on the five days when you sign up for the, e- for, for the email list, um, and granted I'm giving the course away cause I'm trading it for an email, which, you know, then I can, um, sell a premium course to people trying to be completely honest about yeah, yeah, how, sure. how the whole process works. But sure. those five days aren't a bunch of fluff. Those five days are literally the basic components. You could look at that and then you could ship something and start making money. In fact, I have people writing me emails at least a couple times a week and um, either tell me that, wow, this finally got me started. And I've had people write me and say, I released something. It turns out the only thing that was stopping them, and this is often the case, um, is that this is a pretty accurate number too. Like 90% of people that say they want to to ship and release something out into the world and sell it, don't do it. And 10% do. And of those 10% that do, like a lot of that, of those people make sales very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they say, oh, you know, 80% or 70% of businesses or whatever it is fail within three years or whatever it is, it's like, well, yeah, but like a lot of those businesses, they technically might file as a business but did they ever go to one person and actually ask for someone to buy something from them (laughs) right you know what i mean yeah it's not a it's not a good statistic right yeah so um for people listening if if you've been thinking about doing it oftentimes um it's just that people are it's a mental thing people just need to believe they can do it and then ship something and then um unabashedly let people know that it's there and not worry about what people think and Typically, people are pleasantly surprised that people really want um, the stuff they're making. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Inspiring. Um, well, geez, what's next for for Retro Supply Co.? Is there any any secrets? Oh, well, speaking of secrets, right? Um, <laughs> any any secrets about what's what's next? And aside from the collaborations you're doing, is it just you, or is there a team of people there? That, that's something I wanted to ask about. Yeah, great. That's a great question. Um, so originally it was just me. Um, and then I realized it was just, there was just too much to do. Um, and I hired a variety of contractors. I eventually came across one contractor who's been with me for a couple years. Um, and like I said, the business has been growing, um, particularly in the past couple of years, like very quickly. And I think that it's more to do with just, you know, after you're around for a certain amount of years, it's just your name starts to spread because it's been around for so long. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I'm literally focusing on right now. The book is on the table. I've been following through on this. Um, the book is called clockwork. If you want to look it up um, right now, I'm in the process of hiring um, employees. So I have typically two to three contractors at all times working on things, but we're strategically growing the business out to um, three to five people um, part-time and full-time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just because, um, I think that I realized as the business was growing that in order to truly grow, I need to focus on what I, the very small bandwidth of things that I'm good at. And I need to be comfortable with getting the things that I am not good at and passing them off to someone else that's talented at that. Mm -hmm. And the main reason for that is, um, not to put less work on my plate, although that's a great byproduct. The main reason is because I want to focus on what I'm good at. I want to find other people that are great at what they do 
so we can make more great products for people. So people are just, the best feeling is when you release a product and people love it and they start sharing it on Dribbble and tagging you in it and showing you the work they're doing. That is the best feeling. And the only way to make that happen more often, um, because not every product is a hit. Um, the only way to make that happen more often is to invest in people that are spending full days, day in and day out, all together as a team working on making a great product. That's exciting. I'm scared, but I'm excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, look, look, Dustin, I thank you so much for being on and sharing so much, uh, being candid about your about your success and the the route that you've taken, and it's just. I just love all the stuff and it's, you know, you're creating a real, uh, a real resource for, for designers and it's just awesome. So congrats on that. And thanks for, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. It's really, um, I, I mean, I still like, I get so excited when someone says, Oh, I remember what you sent me an email. I don't know. It was a month ago now that we had to plan it out. And it's so exciting to actually be on when someone says, I want to listen to you talk for 40 minutes. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't feel good when someone writes them and says, Hey, would you mind just <laughs> talking yeah. for 40 minutes? Oh, sure. I'll talk about myself for 40 minutes. So yeah, I appreciate Thank you for having me on. It really is an honor. I love dribble. Um, this is something, um, off my bucket list. So I guess pun intended <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's great, man. And, and uh, keep up the awesome work. We're going to be, continuing to follow uh what you're doing and yeah thanks so much awesome thanks this has been overtime dribble's official podcast i'm dan cedarholm and thanks for listening to this week's episode please subscribe to us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, we'll see you next time thanks again